Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All set for your flight? Yep, I've got everything I need. Eye mask, neck pillow, T-Mobile, headphones. Wait, T-Mobile? You bet. Free in-flight Wi-Fi. 15% off all Hilton brands. I never go anywhere without T-Mobile. Same goes from a water bottle, chewing gum, nail clippers, okay, passport. Okay, I'm going to leave you to it. Find out how you can experience travel better at T-Mobile.com slash travel. Qualifying plan required. Wi-Fi were available on select U.S. airlines. Deposit and Hilton Honors membership required for 15% discount. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. As we built the opening game of the Reds season this Sunday against Chelsea, I'm joined by Parth Gupta of the Chelsea Sport fan site and podcast to take a look into how the Blues have developed since Mauricio Pochettino arrived at the helm. And to discuss just what sort of chaotic game could await us at Stamford Bridge as two intensity-minded sides without defensive midfielders clash this Sunday. Welcome back, Path. Good to speak with you. Thank you very much. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And yeah, looking forward to the, the season starting. It's back. It's back, yeah. I've been dusting off the, the podcasting cobwebs. Um, obviously been really, yeah, really enjoying the, the Women's World Cup, but the, yeah, the return of... Um, sort of top flight men's football. Um, yeah, I mean, and the Liverpool, Liverpool Chelsea game specifically this, uh, this Sunday. Obviously everything kicks off. It's on Friday, isn't it? With, um, Burnley Man City, which I'm sure they'll make uh, plenty of, plenty of that clash given the, the manager at the helm of, uh, of Burnley. But, um, yeah, we're here to talk about Chelsea and just, just to get your opinion. Uh, it was great to sort of speak with you last season. Uh, in what was a turbulent, uh, turbulent season, uh, under Todd Bowley's ownership, um, of, of Chelsea, obviously starting off the season with Thomas Tuchel, who lasted until September 7th, 
Graham Potter coming in. Um, I remember discussing with you about patience and, uh, you know, like, uh, needing to, you know, allow him time to build and realizing the task out of his hands. Last to 2nd of April, um, Bruno Salto, who I remember managed to negotiate a, a draw, um, against Liverpool, um, during his brief, brief stint as interim manager. Uh, which, I mean, to be honest, Chelsea really should have won that game. It was pretty appalling for Liverpool. And, of course, the return, the return of Frank Lampard as caretaker manager, um, up until the 28th of May, uh, by which point he really was giving off the impression of disinterested sort of uncle at family, family event, to be honest. Like, yeah. you know, like, what can you do with these kids? Um, and yeah, uh, we'll, we'll come on to talk about Frank, um, I, I think a, a little bit, but, um, yeah, uh, finishing 12th, obviously, um, overall and getting to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. But I think it's fair to say pretty disappointing, pretty poor season from, from Chelsea, given the, like the, obviously the investment, given the, um, given some of the managers involved as well during that, during that period of time, certainly Tuchel and Potter. Uh, and by the end of the season, I'm sure you were feeling quite worn out, but what were your overarching sort of conclusions that you'd, that you'd got to and what was the work that you thought needed to be done? Yeah, I mean, it was, I think I just came out of that season, as you said, sort of saying, thank Lord, that's just finished. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, a lot of lessons can be learned of it. And then there's also the other side where you're almost like, let's just ignore that season. Let's just see what we can do under a new management, pretty much a completely different squad um, and sort of forget it. But then also take some factors from it and learn from it. I think it was a very young squad and we're still going to have a very young squad this season and we will do over the next few years. But I think they are, they do realize the importance of having some sort of experience. And that also comes with a manager. Um, Graham Potter was someone who I, who I did actually really like. I had faith in him that he would turn it around, but there were small things here and there, which suggested like, it just was maybe the job came too early for him. Maybe the jump from Brighton was too big. Whereas if you compare that with someone like Pochettino, this is a guy who's managed at Spurs, PSG. You know, these are big clubs. He's had big players like Messi and Mbappe and Neymar. Um, and like, it's gonna it's gonna be a different challenge for him at Chelsea. But I think I have faith in sort of what he can do, knowing sort of that he's an experienced manager. I've I've always been actually a really big fan of him. He he was actually a manager I've wanted for a good four or five years now. So I'm really happy with his appointment. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see how he how he does this season. Yeah, seeing seeing Pochettino use the use the word we when it's um, about Chelsea has definitely been a bit of a learning curve for me to adjust to. I'm sure Tottenham fans are handling it a lot worse, uh, to be honest, and I'm sure they'll continue yeah. continue to, but. You mentioned obviously being worn out by the season. It looked like lots of the players were pretty disinterested by the end. We mentioned Lampard um, towards the end of things as well. Um, as to the work that needed to be done, you, you you talked about it being a young squad, one that's uh, been really assembled to to build for the years ahead, but you know, needs to win now as well, which is a point that Poch has been keen to, to emphasise over the past few weeks. But just before we get to Pochettino, it has a work um, on the pitch, off the pitch that you thought, okay, this needs to take place really if, the, if this club's going to move forward. What what were the key areas that you were thinking about by, um, come the end of last season? Well, it's one problem which I think I remember discussing in our pods and which I've been saying for years now and we still have not addressed, although we are trying to, is that 
we need a number six and we need a midfielder. Um, you know, obviously Declan Rice has moved on. Um, Jude Bellingham's moved as well, and that sort of has left Chelsea. I say sort of left Chelsea. I mean, Moises Caicedo is an outstanding player, and I'd be buzzing to have him. Um, but that's a deal which feels like it's going to go on for another few weeks, um, which is just crazy. But yeah, I think we definitely do need another midfielder, and the Nkunku injury, which I'm sure we'll come on to later, um, it's you know, emphasises that even more, how we do need to strengthen in midfield. Um, and then, yeah, a, nu- a number nine was really important as well. Um, Kai Havertz was struggling, has been struggling, and I'm really happy we went for someone like Nicholas Jackson, who was this low-key striker who not really, I don't think anyone knew about before. I certainly did myself. Um, but what we've seen so far in preseason has been really, really impressive. And it's, he's a striker, you know, who's links up the play really well. He seemed quite composed in front of uh, goal. Um, so, yeah, I think those are the main issues. And, and the big one is the goalkeeper as well. Now, I, Robert Sanchez is a, is a really interesting um, sort of appointment in goal because... Pochettino, well, he definitely said in the media that he's very happy with Kepa. He thinks he's a good goalkeeper and that, but I don't know. If you ask any Chelsea fan, or I think even the board, what they mm. think of Kepa over the last six, seven years, they'll, they'd have been asking to get rid of him for a good long while. Um, so whether whether Sanchez is going to sort of be that guy to challenge him as a number one, whether he's coming as a number two or whatever, or uh, whether he's coming as a straight number one. I mean, surely you don't spend 30, 35 mil if they're not the number one, but we spent 71 mil on Kepa, so who knows. Um, but mm. but yeah, I think those are definitely the main issues, which we have certainly tried to address, which I think is a good start. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it brings us on to to the next topic, which I think when we're speaking to fans, um, like journalists sort of covering clubs, at this time of the season, you know, just before a ball's been kicked, obviously transfers in, transfers out, uh, are dominating fans' uh, attention, um, the, the refreshing, uh, the, well, actually, I'm, I'm going to keep calling it Twitter because let's, let's face it, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just not going to get on board with well, whatever midlife crisis is going on. But in, in terms of the transfer news that you mentioned there, Chelsea's pursuit of a number six, um, the fact that Liverpool, uh, are enjoying the season, uh, having sold Fabinho and, uh, Henderson, uh, and brought in nobody to replace either of those players. Um, of course, McAllister and Sobberschlei, really great additions, but no, no current defensive midfielders, uh, feels, feels, uh, yeah, feels risky. Um, so again, this, this game on the weekend could be quite a high scoring one. Uh, I know that the past four encounters have been draws, nil nil draws, I think from, from memory, but. Let's go on just to the players in, players out. And for Chelsea, it was quite a busy, it's been, it's been quite a busy summer so far. So, I mean, we look at the departures. You mentioned obviously Kai Havertz going for 75 million euros to Arsenal. I'm using euros just because that's, that's what I got on the site here. Mason Mount, 64 million euros, um, to Manchester United. Uh, both age 24. And again, of course, sort of at varying sort of, um, stages of their career, you can sort of debate sort of how successful both of both has been um, has been to this stage, but um, two pretty significant departures for for good fees. Kovacic has moved to Manchester City, 
um, about 30 million. Koulibaly um, uh, went uh, with a number of different players to the Saudi League, Al Halal for about 23. Pulisic, uh, AC Milan for about 20. Mendy, uh, again, Al Ali uh, at, uh, in the Saudi uh, Pro League. Loftus Cheek, Ethan Ampadu, Ngolo Kante, Asper Lequeta, Obama Yang. Uh, there's, there's more here. I can Bakayoko, finally, things without, finally without a club. Um, Yao Felix, of course, um, I think, uh, an end of that loan. Uh, Zakaria's loan finished. It was, it was, a, it was a busy, that's a large number of players to, like, regardless of how integral they were, how, how regularly they were in the team, you know, in the camp at least, and, um, a number of departures. Just focusing on, on the outgoings for a second. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and a license with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. There's some big names there. Um, were you surprised by any of the, the names of the players who, who did leave the club and uh, are you happy with the business the club's done? Yeah, I think actually it is really important you mention outgoings because as much as I did talk about those sort of three positions coming in being of importance, I think a big thing was outgoings and um, we had such a stacked squad last season and it caused so many problems. So so yes, a clear out was actually probably our number one priority and in that sense we've done really well. If you look at the players who've left, honestly, like I've not too, I don't think when you were reading out the names I became too gutted about any of them. I mean, Look, for example, if I look at, I mean, people are going to have their different opinions on, for example, like a Mason Mount or Kai Havertz. I'm definitely in the sort of part of the fan base where I was absolutely in love with Mason Mount. I think he was a really good player for us. And I think it sort of was a massive shame that he felt he was going to be best elsewhere and develop and things like that. But I think with him, it was the fact that the new directors at the club just didn't really rate him that much. And Mason sort of got that feeling. It was best for all parties to move on. And we had sort of got hinted at that for the last six months before his move uh, due to contract negotiations going absolutely nowhere. So I think it was, yeah, it was just one of them ones where it's a shame, but he's have to move on. And then the rest, I think... It's a risk sending Kai Havertz to Arsenal. It's a risk sending Kovacic to City. Um, but in the end, I don't think they were that good for Chelsea, uh, at least consistently over the last few years. And yeah, they may improve the other clubs, but I think with the money we got in, um, it was probably worth that risk. And we, well, we're at least trying to spend it quite wisely. Um, so yeah, the clear out was important. We've done pretty well with that. And I think what's even more sort of interesting and alarming well not alarming but good you could say is that Chelsea released their squad numbers this morning um, for the upcoming mm. season and it didn't even include the likes of Hudson-Odoi, Ziyech and Lukaku who are all technically still at the club um, and the, I think that's a very good sign that yeah. there are still quite a few more outgoings to go um, so it's going to be an interesting few weeks because we still do have some players around who 
mm. don't really have a future here. Yeah, such a not much of a surprise, I think, on on any of those names, particularly Ziyech, who's not particularly happy uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, nor fans looked happy with him um, either. But I, I did want just want to dwell on a few names. I think you're right there. There's, there's players of various sort of fortunes in terms of how successful their their, their Chelsea time was. But Kovacic, I think, was a player I always admired um, and, and was sort of a bit regretful that Liverpool never went for a player like Kovacic in terms of the, his ability uh, to maintain tempo, control tempo. Yeah. Um, like him and Kante, who was miraculously always fit whenever Liverpool um, came into town, uh, were it's sort of a really fierce unit. Even him and Jorginho as well, I thought, were quite a combative unit over the years as well. Uh, and that brings me on to the other one I wanted, uh, the, the other two I wanted to mention really. As Pelaqueta, uh, and Kante, I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on them because As Pelaqueta seems to have a really interesting time at the club where uh, at small periods of time he seemed to be a villain, uh, uh, in terms of people maybe questioning whether he was declining, um, a bit too fast or could still hack at the level. Other times really gave the impression of a, very, very pivotal member of the squad, a real leader amongst, um, uh, amongst those players, which is, I suppose, slightly odd when you think about, you know, he arrived for not much fanfare and he's a, he's a right back. Uh, and then N'Golo Kante, I think as well. I mean, we, we joke about it, how Liverpool fans always used to dread that he was fit and available, uh, for every Liverpool game, but a real shift sort of force of nature in terms of what, uh, what he was like to deal with. I mean, just speak a bit about those two players and their, their Chelsea legacies, I suppose, as they've um, as they've left the door. Yeah, I mean, both definitely have sort of left um, as sort of club legends slash core heroes, especially uh, as Villaquez, no doubt a legend. And I think, yeah, you summed it really well. I think his decline has definitely been there in the last few years. And um, yeah, I mean, Reese James coming into the team was always going to pretty much throw Aspilicueta out of the team anyway. Um, but sort of the arrival of Malagusto as the backup right back really gave Aspilicueta no chance. And I think Aspilicueta wouldn't really bother too much about game time at this time of the sort of his career. But I think it is a move which made sense. Um, him as a captain is, I don't know, I he's definitely not a very like, I think he's a definitely a different type of captain. And I'm not saying he's not a vocal, he clearly is quite vocal, but he's not your JT type of vocal. And he's, well, the vibes I got certainly was that he's more of a lead by example, both on and off the pitch sort of captain, and that has its benefits. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm sort of happy he left on quite a nice note. Um, he had a lovely farewell video, um, and yeah, I think he definitely leaves as a club legend. And then N'Golo Kante is an interesting one. I mean, there were there were quite strong rumors from very good reports that like he had agreed to sign a contract with Chelsea. Um, but I think a lot of things sort of changed that one being we sort of gave him that surgery. We had a lot of faith in us sort of our medical department and him that the injuries would sort of go away after the surgery. And then I think he picked one up after two games after that surgery and then Saudi Arabia came calling in. And I think at his stage of career, uh, he must be what, 33 or 31, something like that. Um, he was getting paid big money. Um, it's you know he's pretty much conquered it all in terms of football what he needs to World Cup Champions League Premier League so yeah I um um I would have liked to have kept him and I think he would have been really really good next to Enzo um 
But, you know, if Caicedo does come in, I think it, it's not the end of the world. And, um, yeah, it's it, they, they, they are two big players who have left, two experienced players who have left. But hopefully it's not the end of the world if we, if we recruit mm. uh, well. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, and of course, desperately hoping that the Kaiseda deal uh, falls through. Of course, because he's—I I do think he's the one guy yeah. you could find you could replace replace the uh, the impact that that Kante makes. Um, yeah, just have to just going to be the be uh, yeah, be the bitter Liverpool fan. I think uh, when it comes to Kaiseda, that the club doesn't seem to be bothering to try try at least. And it's a lot of money, of course, it's a lot of money, but probably going to show you up for the next <laughs> the next yeah. six, seven, eight years. Um, that brings us on to uh, incomings, as you mentioned, um, as we talk about Caicedo and whether or not there will be any movement on on that deal. Um, Christopher Nkuku was one that we knew about for a long time, obviously the pre, pre-agreement with Leipzig to come in, um, 25 years old, like really, really, atta- um, that's a really talented attacker. Um, a couple here that I'm, I'm going to be honest, I didn't know very much about and like, happy to admit that. Axel uh, de Sassi from Monaco um, as a centre-back, uh, know very little about him. 45 million though, similar fee for N- Nicholas Jackson, uh, who you mentioned there, who'd think has shone in, in, in pre-season at times uh, from, from Villarreal. Uh, uh, Leslie... Ugo Chukwa, I'm, I'm going to go for that with, with Ren as a defensive midfielder. Um, very young, though, of course, 19 years old. Robert Sanchez, you mentioned, as a backup goalkeeper from Brighton. Um, Angelo, I think, is a right winger from, from Santos, who's come in as well. And then I think as well, it's probably me- important that we mention the fact that the likes of Levi Colwell, who was rumoured to potentially be leaving the club, uh, signing that new deal, 20 years old, looks like a really promising uh, centre back uh, for for the future. Those are the incoming so far. Uh, of of those players, um, do you think that the the club has has addressed key areas aside from the six? When when you look at the the profile of those of those players who've come in, and I suppose after that we'll move on to talk a little bit about Poch and preseason, and maybe we can touch upon how they performed. But just for now, I mean, yeah, in terms of those names, their positions, were you were you happy with that business? Um, yeah, I think I think in general I was. I, I touched upon the sort of striker and goalkeeper, and I think Nkunku's a, a really really good player. Um, so yeah, I think in that sense I was. There there was a few there's a few signings where I'm like, oh, is this really needed? I think Desassi. I think he's a good player. I've watched him a few times, and he's played with Badio Chile before. Um, he played for France, and he's a good player. But I just don't know whether it's. I guess we'll. 
it's hard to say now and it'll be easy to say in hindsight, but, you know, when you have someone like Trevor Chalobah at the club, you know, this is a guy who can play centre-back, midfield, right-back, I think, to a really, really high level. He's already at the club. He's happy to stay. I don't know whether a signing like Disassi is really that needed. Yeah. Um, it's just like, yeah, like, are we perhaps undervaluing sort of what we've already got instead of, you know, I always like to say, like, sometimes it's best to just look inwards rather than outwards. Um, yeah. So that's that's one to keep an eye on. Um, but, but overall, yeah, I think, well, we've definitely continued with our policy of trying to sign as many sort of these young, talented players around the whole world. Um, but yeah, they're signed like Desassi. I was like, okay, is this needed? And then I think I'll certainly have that if we do sign someone like Vlahovic. I mean, Vlahovic, I'm not a massive fan of, so it feels like if he was to be involved in a swap deal with Romelu Lukaku, it just feels like it would be, you know, getting given a player for sort of a deal which isn't that necessary. Um and especially while Jackson is performing, at least in preseason, especially while we still have Armando Breuer at the club, and worst comes to worst, you chuck in Kunku up top, I'm sure he does a job there as well. Um, so, yeah, I think so far in general it's been pretty good. I mean, there will always be a few signings where you're like, uh, is this really that needed? But yeah. I guess that's the beauty of the transfer market. And then moving on to Poch then, that's maybe, again, sort of plenty of people familiar with his work at uh, Spurs. And I think he's had sort of like uh, varying levels of success, I'd say, since he's, since he was at the club in terms of what he's done after that and his time at PSG. I think it's uh, obviously a very difficult, um, project to take on given the, given the egos involved, given the, the chaotic structure that seems to be there at times. I don't think he necessarily did, did his best work there by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think he was necessarily playing with the most receptive players, uh, the most receptive group of players he's ever going to meet in his life either. Uh, still, I think it was a real fondness towards Pochettino from lots of British football fans, given the way he just seemed to conduct himself and the kind of character he, uh, he, uh, he is. You mentioned at the start of the pod that you know, you're obviously a fan of of Pochettino, but he does come with a pretty specific style and a pretty specific mantra in terms of the you know, the the work he puts his players through to get ready to implement that style to implement that philosophy. Were you at all concerned about like the, I mean, the teething processes that would happen you know, as 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 Pochettino took took a group that. Uh, based on last season, like didn't run too much necessarily when, when compared with some other teams in the league, uh, and he's, he's obviously going to take them on his journey to try and transform them into a team that's a bit more in his image. I mean, uh, yeah, just give me your thoughts on Poch and you know, obviously that that task that he's got on his hands. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that he in preseason has absolutely run the players into the ground. Yeah, they they are fitter than I've ever seen in these preseason games. They're running and pressing like nothing, um, and yeah, they they look really really sharp. Some of the football we've been playing has been really really enjoyable to watch. Um, a lot of just really nice movements and one twos going around and the pressing. There was actually so we played Wrexham and I was watching, I was listening to Ben Foster's podcast and he was saying the press was just unbelievable. Um, and one thing which he said actually which was quite interesting was um Pochettino's or well the Chelsea side they didn't press the Wrexham players when the centre-backs had it they pressed it as soon as the full-backs and the wing-backs had the ball which I think is really interesting um but he said as soon as the wing-backs got it it just triggered the whole press and they were all over them um but yeah I think Pochettino comes in with a certain style as you said he 
he's sort of known for his well not known but it's known that his formation he plays is in general is the four two three one, um, which I think suits this sort of squad we've got at the moment quite well. He did play a bit of three at the back at Spurs. I think I think again that's a sort of formation which I think the Chelsea do actually play really well and if if done well, um, so that's one to keep an eye on. But I think I think the big thing about Potter that sort of has got me attracted to him over the last five years has been his use of the younger players. And I think that would have certainly been the big thing for Todd Burley and the ownership when appointing him at Spurs, I think. Uh, what the the main praise he got was how he sort of transformed these young players into these superstars. Um, your Deli Alleys, Harry Kane's, etc., Harry Winks. Um, and he wasn't afraid to use the young players. And I think that's a big thing which he's going to, well, he's going to have to do at Chelsea with this squad because it is a very, very young squad. Uh, and it's one I think the young players can really thrive upon. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, we're going to see young lineups this season. We're gonna, and then that will result in losses. That's going to result in sort of mistakes being made. But if it's going to help us down the line in two to three years, I hope it's sort of worth it and I hope sort of the club see that as positive taken forward but it is going to be important that we do show progress along the way because something we had under Potter when he was here was that oh these are young players playing it's just going to automatically get there in two three years whereas we all know football is not like that you do have to show progress along the way otherwise you will just end up losing your job like Potter did so Pochettino has to get that balance right, which is arguably one of the hardest things between, okay, how am I going to develop these players, but also how am I going to try and win? Um, but I think the best part is a lot of these young players are really, really good players, so you can actually win and play these young players. For example, if you play Levi Colwell, if you play Carney Chomeka, you're not actually going to be hindering the team. It's potentially going to be helping your team more than playing the senior players. So I think that's really encouraging and something which um, could really help Pochettino. And in terms of what you've seen from from Pochettino so far in in preseason, in terms of you, you, you mentioned how, how hard he's worked the players and how fit they look, but some of the noticeable tactical shifts. I mean, you talked about the pressing of the fullbacks there; that was interesting. And um, I think at, at times what we saw from Chelsea like last season was you know, ability to, to dominate the ball in in quite a few games, but a lack of that lack of cutting edge. Uh, leading to sort of inevitably being a bit susceptible to, well, losing games because you're unable to score enough goals, to be honest, basically. And then uh, eventually sort of the defensive side, I think, became a bit fra- fragile towards um, sort of the mid part of the season as well. Uh, what noticeable shifts have you seen from, from Pochettino in terms of the tactical shape? Uh, and you mentioned you know, young players and him giving young players a chance. Uh, who are the young players he seems to have gravitated towards so far and uh, who, who have been those stars of, of pre-season that you're hoping might uh, have earned their way into uh, his uh, his sinking for the season ahead? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's been a, it's been a 43-1, as I've said. And I think, yeah, a lot of... I think the main thing which of course the striker has really sort of tried to run in behind the defence. Um, they're really happy to go out wide and then either the 10 or uh, the wide players can come inside and cover for Jackson up top. Um, and yeah, the midfielders seem to be sort of 
the two sitting needs to be uh, really aggressive. The the fullbacks are running high up and down the pitch. Chilwell's been bombing up and down that left hand side like nothing. Um, so so yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how we sort of translate it, you know, against Liverpool and then other teams as well in the Prem. Um, but yeah, the, the younger players, I don't know. It looks like he's going to use them just based off pre-season. Um, left back, well, Ian Martin is uh, is. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Well, is a left back, and I, I don't know if many would know about him, but he was on loan at Burnley last season. He got in Championship uh, team of the season. He was an excellent player under Vincent Company, playing a left back. But he's actually been used by Pochettino as this right winger, um, and he's done really, really well. He's shown extreme intelligence as a footballer, just being chucked a right wing. Who he's played, I think, once or twice before at Charlton on loan two or three years ago. He's done. He he plays in midfield for Netherlands under twenty ones. Um, but yeah, he's a left back, sort of playing right wing. He's been incredible, and I think that's that's been really nice to see. Chukwemeka has been really impressive. He's got like two assists or something in preseason so far. And I think he's a really, really talented player. Um, so I'm really looking forward to watching how he does. And then yeah, there are other young players. Well, I mean Levi Colwell, we've talked about. He's a, I think he's outstanding, and he's going to play if he's fit pretty much every single game of the season. Um, and then there's others as well, like Nicholas Jackson, Mikhailo Mudrik. Um, Madweke is going to come back into the team slowly after injury. Same with Rhys James. So yeah, it's definitely a young squad. But I think, as I said before, they're really talented players, which makes it ever more so exciting. Yeah, Mudrik was one that came in for quite a lot of criticism I saw I, I saw online um, like at points during last season after his arrival. Cause it seemed to flatter to deceive in terms of the end product he was, he was providing. Uh, what have you seen from him in pre-season? Do, uh, does it look like there's been a step uh, taken forward there in terms of his his end product being a bit more thoughtful of that final that final ball, or is that unfair? Well, he scored a goal, which is a good start. Always um, good, always good. <laughs> and it was actually a really nice goal, to be fair. This is really good link up with Nicholas Jackson and a really sweet finish. Uh, it was against Brighton in the bottom corner. Um, to be honest, like yeah, he's he has looked better. He looks more confident. I would still like to see some more sort of consistency during the game from without him, uh, from him. Sorry, um, just sort of yeah, just I need to see that confidence. He's clearly a player who can beat his man, and I just need to see him do it more often. He's clearly a player who 
can arrive into the box and things like that. What's going to be interesting, I, I think if sort of Pochettino turns Mudrik into the sort of way he used Chungman Son, I think we, we're going to have a really good player on your hands. Um, so, so yeah, I think I do. there is definitely a lot more to come from Mudrik. And look, he's clearly a very athletic guy. He's clearly a talented footballer, but I'm definitely asking for a lot more from him. Um, but you know, this is a season where, you know, perhaps there's not too much on the line. So if you give him 30 or 25 to 30 Premier League starts, I hope he develops it and you may have a special player in a season's time. And I think we have that with a lot of players and he's one of them. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping he kicks on and he doesn't have too much win competition, actually, if I'm being honest. If I, if I, unless I'm being very silly, he's got Mudrick, Raheem Sterling, and I think it's Nani Madweka, and I think those are the only three wingers at the okay. only three wingers at the moment. Raheem Sterling has looked absolutely awful in preseason. Really um, interesting. Okay. Yeah, he's been awful, and he was actually a player who I had quite big hopes for under Pochettino. I think I thought that would be his return. Maybe it was, still will be, but he's he's been completely off it in preseason. Uh, Madweke is just returning back from fitness so you're almost looking at Mudrik as a guaranteed starter uh, for the first games of the season so if he kicks on then who knows what could happen but um, but yeah ho- hopefully it does yeah one player who's going to be on the sidelines now for a while obviously and, um, of benefit to Liverpool for the <laughs> and, and, and of benefit to the teams that Chelsea play in the opening Parts of the season, but of course, I think someone who actually I thought was looking quite exciting is a really exciting player from his time um, over at Leipzig as well. Christopher Nkunku, uh, out for at least four months, I'm reading, due to a left knee injury that's required surgery for mm. him to him to take. It appeared like it wasn't going to be that serious, and then I think slowly but slowly but surely he's come out that it's, it's obviously going to be a longer period on the sidelines for him. Big loss, of course, in terms of sort of how bright he's looked and, um, like how much of a different kind of threat he was he was offering Chelsea, I'd say, to the options that you had beforehand. You mentioned there that you, with the likes of Lukaku, still likely to move on, and attackers to come in like in um, in exchange for him, even if it's Vlaovic or someone like that. I mean, how how big a loss do you think this is for uh, for Chelsea that Nkunku is going to be out for a lengthy period of time? Are there are there alternatives? Yeah, that's, it's a good it's a good question because I was having this discussion this morning, and it's certainly a big loss because he's a very talented player and he's a very good player, and he was having good preseason. And in that sense, yeah, it's just like losing a big player is always going to be a loss to your team. But I do not think it's as big as a loss as some Chelsea fans are making out in the way that oh, we now have to change our whole system. Oh, everything's going to go bonkers, things like that. Like. He was playing in the 10, and if you put Kani Chukwameka in the 10, you're going to be fine. And yes, there is the difference between the two players. Yes, Nkunku is better right now, but I think it's for four months you can get away with it. And if you get Kaiseido in, you have options of Gallagher and Chukwameka as the 10, and that's fine. Okay, Nkunku perhaps is a level above at the moment. Um, but it's not like Pochettino, I think, is going to be completely sort of changing his well, the way he plays or um, or things like that. And I think the best part about sort of our squad at the moment is if we do have an injury to a player, um, it's not the end of the world in terms of selection. So, for example, if I looked at last season, if Rhys James got injured, we were like, oh my gosh, we are in the depths here now and we are in big trouble. Whereas if I look at now, if Rhys James gets injured, 
um, you have Malo Gusto, who sh- so far has shown, you know, really, really good ability, and he looks like to be the perfect backup right back. Again, this season, if someone like Levi Colwell gets injured, he's clearly going to be a very good player, an important player for us. You're like, okay, you can slot in Bad Yashide, you can slot in Disassi, you can slot in if Chalaba stays. Um, so I think that's definitely the most encouraging thing. So yes, Nkunku, it's a massive loss because he is such a good player. Um, but I think we'll be we'll be fine to be honest, and we have the squad depth and ability to cover for him quite well. Yeah, no, some interesting alternatives there. I think it's uh, it's a funny stage that we find ourselves in, where I think both clubs coming into the game this this Sunday, um, the system would only fundamentally change or be in, in jeopardy if uh, if either right back was out for an extended period of time. I think Trent, obviously, his <laughs> integral nature to Liverpool. The current system they've been playing during preseason and, and Reese James, of course, um, hugely influential figure for for Chelsea as well. I, and one thing that sort of interested me from what you were saying earlier on was that it'd be, it'd be a good opportunity for players like Mudrick and some other young players to get uh, quite a bit of game time this season. Given um, it seemed like there was like not too many expectations, is is the is the vibe I was getting from you? Obviously, wins and, and the reality that you know. You, even if it's a developmental season, it can't be one where Chelsea are overly sacrificing results to to get there. You know, Pochettino will be well aware. I think he's, he's he's said as much in in public as well. But I mean, what? How, where do you think Chelsea fans' expectations are? I mean, I, I'm sure it varies amongst the fan base. But what's the general gist that you're getting about? Yeah, you know, what, what fans are expecting from this group of players this season and. Um, yeah, just how much, how much faith like, Pochettino will be afforded. Yeah, I think I think if you asked most Chelsea fans, they would be looking for sort of a top four slash top five finish. Um, I'm someone who thinks like if we bring in Caicedo, you, you we can certainly get that sort of fourth yeah, spot. I'd agree. Um, and well, if sort of the well, I need to read up on it probably, but it looks like fifth. If you finish fifth, there is a chance you could qualify for the Champions League next season. If sort of the rankings of England finish better than other countries, something like that. Um, but yeah, I think I think we certainly should be pushing for a sort of a Champions League spot, and I think we have the ability, squad, and manager to do so. Um, but I think one thing I will say is the sort of vibe I'm getting from this season um, is that everyone is really excited to watch us, and I haven't really had. I haven't really felt that feeling in a long while and I like to compare it to Frank Lampard's very first season at Chelsea where there was the transfer ban. We knew young players were going to play and we didn't really have that high expectations on us. I've sort of got that right now where it's like back then, whenever we used to lose a game, I'd be like, okay, it's not the end of the world because these players are developing and it's part of the process and that was probably just an excuse in my head to get away with someone doing something stupid but sort of the way I'm looking at this season where like okay if I don't know if if 19 and 19 year olds are making mistakes and it's not going swimmingly and we're not challenging for the title that's okay like as long as they're learning as long as we're improving and as long as we still are getting results on the way I mean Frank Lampard finished fourth in his first season like if you look back on it now that's incredible uh, with the squad we had so Something similar, I think, would be would be really good, and I'm getting that sort of vibe where people are excited to watch these young players impress, and whether that's guys from the academy or or guys we've signed from elsewhere. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited, and I I hope we can finish in the top four, which I think I said really would change that for us. 
Yeah, I do think Kaiseido is a is the transformative signing for certainly. I think that's why I'm so irritated that yeah, you know, Liverpool don't seem to uh, recognise the sixty or however many million pounds has landed in the bank account from unexpected sales. Let's face it, for Fabinho and yeah. and Henderson is clearly, I think, uh, a, a a transformative signing. Um, again, I think if if this Romeo Lavia deal goes through as well, I think that, that that's a player who can certainly develop over the next couple of seasons into a similar impact kind of player as as uh, Kaiseido, given the numbers that they're putting out at the moment. But it feels feels like a lot of pressure to be putting on somebody. Uh, so young. Uh, you mentioned Lampard there. I mean, I, I have to say, just if, if if I let my tribalism come in a little bit, I, I did think it was pretty disgraceful <laughs> the way the way in which he ended things last season. Um, but then again, maybe it's like uh, Chelsea fans think the similar way towards the the players' attitude towards the end of the season. But um, yeah, I think it was what a forty two percent. Like win right there that he ended up with. Again, he's he's dealt with quite difficult circumstances. I'd say in both. In both of his seasons as Chelsea manager, but um, again, I, 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 I'm not going to dwell on this too much. Pochettino's there; it's 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 it's, it's a new era. We should move on from that, and yeah, be interesting to see where where Lampard does end up next in terms of a coaching job. Obviously, Gerrard's over in in Saudi Arabia again, so it's uh, it'd be interesting to see sort of where where Lampard finds himself next. I, I did just want to ask you now around. Uh, again, I'm sure you've immersed yourself really in the like the Chelsea preseason and and everything that's been going on with Chelsea's developments since Pochettino arrived. But uh, what have you heard or made of like um, the movement or activity you've seen from from Liverpool? And I'd just love your like, opinion to be honest as well, given we are right at the start of the season. Uh, what are you expecting from them, even outside of this game this season? I mean. Where do you rank this Liverpool side at the moment, given the players that they've currently got uh, in? Yeah, uh, I think you've got actually a really, really strong team. I don't necessarily know about your twenty-five man squad, but I was having a look at I think the lineup you put out a few days ago, and yeah. it was actually a really encouraging team. I thought um, I think McAllister is a really, really solid player. Um, and sort of you made some really good signings elsewhere. I think if you get in Lavia, there's, yeah, there's again another player who Chelsea have been linked with massively in the last, or what we were last summer, a bit less so now. Um, and I think he's a really top player as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, someone asked me yesterday of Premier League predictions and I had Liverpool down as second. And I don't know if okay. that's me just being a bit ignorant or whatever and I don't really know. You're um, you're endearing yourself to, to the listeners here. This is the first podcast of the season. <laughs> you're, predict, you're predicting predicting second. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that's certainly sort of the vibe I got. I just thought, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think Arsenal with Champions League football means you're going to see a bit of a decline with them in the Premier League. Um same with Newcastle. Um, I can tell you, Arsenal fans don't don't think that. I can, to be fair, you're not wrong. <laughs> Arsenal fans certainly do not think that. Uh, they don't, but I think I always think of that with Arsenal, so that's not going to change. Um, but yeah, to be fair, no, you, you are in the sense that Arsenal do have definitely more depth now, and you know if they do manage to keep someone like Thomas Partey, I mean that's a brilliant backup DM to have to Declan Rice, for example, in terms of on the pitch ability. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, I think I had Liverpool second or third. So I think yeah, you've got a good team. I think you do need that number six very much like Chelsea do. Um, but it's yeah, I think the problem is just Man City, and mm. I don't think anyone is really going to catch up with them. 
Yeah, I think I think I've been encouraged by what I've seen in terms of the they look a lot fitter than I remember last uh, last season. Certainly in preseason, like you mm. were saying similar about uh, the Chelsea players under Pochettino. They look they look sharp. Uh, the pressing has been excellent. Um, I think there's a couple of players who were new last season who definitely seem to have gotten much better when it comes to the pressing, understanding the pressing triggers, as you'd expect, right? You know, to go through yeah. go through a proper camp um, with the club and I've been really encouraged by how well. Uh, McAllister and um, Sobuchlai have have settled, have integrated, and they, they they look like both of them huge upgrades on on the players that were were playing in their in those positions, right side of midfield. Sobuchlai looks like he's he's going to be a real real prospect, and um, McAllister can obviously play across a number of positions. Might might be finding himself in a double pivot or as a six early on, depending on um, how quickly um, the this Lavia deal does does wrap up, um, or if there's any any other names in there as well. Uh, but I think similar to yourself, yeah, I was looking through the the squad list, and I I, I can't I, I think that's I think that's got to be one of the strongest attacks in the league in terms of the depth across. Uh, the, the forward positions, um, if you think about it. So, yeah, I think, um, I, I've not shared any predictions with the listeners so far, but I, I've, I've, I, I do think, yeah, a six will come in, um, regardless of how late that is going to be. Um, she'll play, we have every, every right to have gripes with that, I think, um, given how important preseason can be. Uh, but six will probably likely come in and, yeah, I can see this team blasting their way into sort of relevance um, again, um, given yeah. the number of uh, real talented attackers there. I'm hoping for a Darwin, a Darwin special this season as well, mm. if you can get if become a little bit more ruthless. But uh, I mean, given all that, I guess, and given the fact that both teams lacking this defensive side of their game. I, I, again, I think the, I think it's something like the last four games against Chelsea and Liverpool. Uh, between Chelsea and Liverpool, been nil nil. Uh, I think the last one was very lucky to have been a nil nil. Um, I, I just, I'm not getting the impression that's going to be the case this Sunday. I think there's going to be goals, and it's going to be fairly chaotic at times. Uh, both teams looking to press the life out of each other, try, you know, find opportunities for transition. Both teams capable of hurting each other in transition. I mean, anticipating a lot of centre backs and a lot of one v one situations, a lot, of, a lot of Van Dyke's finished uh, like uh, shouts very early on if someone dares to dribble past him or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what kind of game? What kind of game are you expecting? Yeah, I, I think it will be a really high intensity game, and Chelsea Liverpool at the Bridge, let alone Anfield as well. Is is always those type of games, but. I mean, yeah, I mean, the last four games have been nil-nils, as you said, except it feels like they all could have been about 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, again, this Sunday, it's not one where there's about 10 big chances and zero goals are scored on each side. But I think, yeah, I think it's first game of the season. and I don't really know what to expect, which I guess opens up potentially to have a really, really exciting match. Um because, you know, it's not like there's any confidence on either side. No one's really down on either side. And it is quite literally like his first game of the season. You're facing, you know, one of the best teams around. And let's just show what you can do. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's going to be an exciting game. Um, you know, it's it's a match which always sort of serves sort of fans well. And as, as we were talking beforehand, Anthony Taylor being the ref is always opens up some opportunity for some drama mm. um so so yeah I'm, I'm hoping for a really good match i, I think 
I think, well, from a Chelsea perspective, I'd be relatively happy with a draw. Um, I mean, I think we can actually get the victory, to be honest. And mm-hmm. it does depend on our lineup. But the way we played, I, I don't see why we shouldn't go into the game thinking we can get three points. Um, so that's certainly what we'll be doing going in at home at Stamford Bridge. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what sort of lineup he goes with. Does he chuck Sanchez straight in? Or does he stick with Kepa? Does he, you know, well, it doesn't look like Kaiseido will be coming in by Sunday. So who does start next to Enzo midfield, especially with Nkunku out? If you do put Chukwemeka in the 10, you, do you put Gallagher deeper? Do you swap it the other way around? Do we play this Andre Santos kid who has impressed in preseason, but then do you play the 19-year-old Brazilian? I don't know. It's certainly dilemmas for Pochettino to deal with. Um, but I think, as you said, it opens up for a really exciting game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lively affair. I think it's going to be, yeah, I think it's, I'm excited, I think, by both teams this season. I think there's going to be some, uh, some real great talent on display to, to watch. And I think there's a, a number of real, real promising starlets, I think, at Chelsea that, are, yeah, excited to see how they develop. And, um, obviously actually quite excited to see him Kunku back in the Premier League, um, once his, once he's recovered from his injury as well. But, it will be interesting to see how both sides um, fare over the season uh, as as both of us hopefully get our wish and uh, number six is defensive midfielders do come in to balance out what looks like a, a Liverpool team full of forwards at the moment uh, <laughs> and a Chelsea team that's equally quite attacking as well. So, yeah. yeah, excited for that for sure. But Path, as always, thank you for coming on and yeah, for giving us all your, your insight into... Chelsea, the next stage of this evolution, you know, Pochettino, it is a new, it is a new era under, under that manager. And yeah, hopefully a less chaotic season, uh, shall we say, for, for Chelsea. Although I have obviously seen a topic that we completely avoided in terms of this, uh, Chelsea investigated over payments uh, to offshore companies. I've seen just pop up as a push notification. I think we don't have time to even get into that I think but there's likely to be some baggage hanging around from from the previous regime I'm sure but again really appreciate you coming on I, I appreciate the insight and yeah look for, uh, best of luck for the season ahead after after Sunday obviously no worries and thank you very much I'm sure we'll speak ahead of the fixture at Anfield so, so who knows what's going to change yeah. by then but I'm looking forward to it <laughs> Exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, and to all the listeners, of course, the first uh, episode of Rival Recon for this new season, uh, focusing on the Chelsea game, the opening game this Sunday, we'll be back again ahead of the, the game to, against Bournemouth, first annual game of the season um, next uh, next Saturday, so do tune in then. Uh, and who knows, maybe we'll have a new shiny uh, number six or defensive midfielder or two do we dare um, to, to, to talk about so do, do join us then uh, for the next episode of, uh, of Rivalry Con we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. 
It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.